ia te a te a taka ia te pai pai wa o uru mai te utupoto te ware kōrero e tū nei. Kia ora. welcome to Change Channel, a space to share tupuna wisdom, Māori ancestral knowledge with you and the world. Tēnā, wakarongo mai. Nō te ipureo tēnei kawenga o te pai pai wa o a Chase Channel. Inumia te kōrero. Chase Channel is brought to you by Te Ipurao. If you even have a cough, runny nose, shortness of breath or loss of taste and smell, you can go get tested for COVID-19 at one of the testing clinics in your community. E hura ga sirau, huri awhio i Aotearoa, tēnei te mihi ki a koutou katoa. E mihi ana ki a koutou, i runga i ngā tūāwhua tanga o te wā, ki roto i o koutou marae, ki runga anō hoki o koutou whare maha putanoi te motu. Kia ora everybody, welcome to our weekly edition of the Whānau Guide for COVID-19. I'm Te Arahi Maipi with the support of Counties Manukau Health, Auckland District Health Board, Waitematā District Health Board, Northern District Health Board, and also the Ministry of Health. Everybody coming together to bring you this platform, an avenue to share information, to give advice to you, your whānau, and your community to help us all get through uh, COVID-19. We are day four of level two. So that's the new thing. What's the old thing? Is it, well, mate over here still hasn't had a haircut, but I'm getting around to it. Hui, ko te mea matua o tēnei kaupapa, ki āta whera whera, ngā rere kētanga o tēnei reanga ki tēnei reanga. Hea te ao hau kei wāinga i a tātou katoa, ana hea te ara whakamua mō tātou i tēnei wā. So uh, just before I bring on our guests, and it's a very important show because we're talking about the changes of level three to level two and what that's looking like in real world situation and also some of the important issues that headed towards us around health but also around the budget and what that means for our wider communities across a myriad of different aspects but first of all just going through the statistics there is um over the last 24 hours one new confirmed case of coronavirus that case is linked to the rosewood rest home cluster in Otautahi christchurch uh, and also that means that New Zealand's combined total confirmed and probable cases is now 1,499. Uh, that also 
within the wider scope of things, 96% of all confirmed improbable cases since our first one, uh, going back a couple of months now, have all recovered. So uh, through the first few days of a level two, everything's still looking good in regards to COVID-19 uh, confirmed cases and ourselves and our communities keeping each other safe. Nō reira, kia uh, hihiri mo hōtaka to help us navigate through some of the key issues and questions around Level 2. We welcome back to the show Honourable Peni Henare Minister of Whānau Ora, Associate Minister of Health, Māori Health, Associate Minister of Tourism. Uh, tēnā koe e te tuakana, uh, e te minita tēnā rawatu koe, nau mai hoki mai. Tēnā koe e te tuakana, kia ora tātou katoa. Like you hanging out for a haircut, my friend. Go oh, and let oh, the <laughs> I've been so tempted, I don't know how many times I said, I wonder if I can spruce up a Cubs cap, but uh, I haven't been game enough. But then if I haven't had one by next Sunday, then I think that might be on the cards. Uh, but um, one man who looks as though he has had a haircut, and I understand that he's had his first day off in ages yesterday, uh, John Fang, a Deputy Director General Māori Health at the Ministry of Health. Tēnā koe te arihi, uh, kōru atahi ko te minita o tira, koutou katoa e mātakitaki ana, uh, he mihi mai oha ki a koutou katoa. Kāpai. Tēnā nō kōru e mōhio ana, i nā te nui o ngā mahi keirunga i a kōrua pokohiwi. Nō re, tēnā kōru, ko whakawāteo a kōrua wā uh, to share with us uh, some insights around some important stuff that we need to discuss. And John, I'll, I'll start off with you. Um, a lot of the kōrero, if it hasn't been just even within the last couple of days, it's been from almost day one. Of when we've gone into lockdown around Tangihanga. Um, are you able to share some light in regards to the initial uh, response and rules and regulations to keep ourselves safe uh, when level two to where it is uh, all today? Yes, I think first of all, um, initially um, we were looking at um, up to 10 people who are going to be able to be part of um, a Tangihanga process or, or, or groups of 10. Um, I think particularly after responses back from iwi and Māori organisations, funeral directors, and also um, some discussions led by Ministers Davis and Hinare, for instance, with the iwi chairs group, um, and also uh, other discussions led by Minister Clark with the funeral directors, and the Prime Minister herself engaging with churches, for instance. Uh, Midweek, um, uh, Cabinet decided to increase that to 50. So the big changes now for Alert Level 2 from where we've been previously with Tangihanga is you can have up to 50 people in any one grouping uh, attending a Tangihanga process. Uh, you're able to have up to 10 people uh, per sitting or per table, for instance, to be able to provide some food. Um, you're also to able to have overnight stay now for the two pāpaku either at home or in the marae. In that context, they're able to have their immediate whānau or kirimate, those uh, in their immediate bubble, stay with them. Um, and you're now also able to transport to Papaku between regions and back to Urupa, and you're able to do that privately. So those things are quite different from where we were in um, alert level four and three. And as I said, with both those alert levels, I really have to take my hat off to our people. Um, these have been really stark measures, um, and it's been it's been really difficult trying to find a balance between public health and our tikanga. Um, and, you know, our people have made it all work. So at least now there's a bit more um, latitude for a larger um, expression of grief, I think, and grief process. But some of the fundamentals remain the same. Mm. And they're going to be in place for some time. 
Um, no um, general mixing and mingling. Uh, no how do you do hongi, kissing or afi, uh, those things. Um, and also um, hand hygiene and hygiene. So those are things that still remain in place. But at least now there's an, there's an avenue for a larger grouping or larger groupings of people to be part of the tangianga process. Um, one of the key people within the context of this for a particular um, for Tangihanga and for all of these uh, measures is the funeral directors. Is there any kind of advice that you're giving Fano that might be just a bit unawares as to how, um, so there's the rules, but how to uh, make sure that these are all in effect and these are all safe in the discussions that they need to have with the funeral directors? Yes, I think first and foremost, we've worked with funeral directors all the way through. They're really a key conduit. Uh, and alert level three and four, it was funeral directors who are really taking the lead. And they still take the lead now. So funeral directors are required to work with the Fano on the funeral or the tangi plan. That plan has to cover each venue that might be used. So it might be a funeral home, it might be a private residence, it might be a marae. Uh, and it needs to outline how they're going to uh, be able to uh, deal with uh, public health measures how they will make sure there's a register, for instance, and what their plan is to make sure they're going to be able to manage numbers uh, and how many they are expecting. So they're a key conduit. We have we will have that information, and that information is available on the Ministry website. But um, directly, um, pretty much um, uh, most families or most whānau will be engaging with fa uh, funeral directors. So we work really closely with them. They're very supportive of the measures that are in place. Uh, they were hoping potentially that we might be able to group together a bit larger, but they are very happy with where, with where we've landed, and they've been very clear that it's important that there's a good balance. And they'll be the key conduits with whānau, so they'll work with whānau on the plan. If that also involves private residences or marae, they will work with whānau to make sure there um, that there is a plan for the marae side of things as well, as well as a private residence. Uh, I'll move to you, um, apart from uh, moving to level two and the changes, well, it's been a big week all around with uh, the budget being announced. Um, health budget, what does that mean, particularly for Māori health? Yeah, kia ora te arahi and um, thank you for the question. That's a very good question. We know that in the budget that was announced the other day, um, there was an announcement for a significant cash injection into DHBs. Now, I've already spoken to a number of Māori health providers who are still hoping that they can have the opportunity to innovate um, and to be able to provide the care and services that our Fano need. Um, so the pressure now is upon myself, my colleagues and the DHBs to make sure that the equity issues that our people have experienced in health um, for many, many years uh, can be addressed in the new investment that has been given towards health. Uh, a big part of that, um, Te Arahi, is in the first instance, uh, reconnecting whānau with the health system. Uh, we know that during COVID-19, alert level four and three, uh, and I dare suspect in alert level two, many of our whānau who have had either niggles or little health issues have ignored them um, in an attempt to stay home and now um, John and the team are working particularly hard with the DHBs to make sure that during COVID-19 and in light of the budget announcement that our people haven't been disadvantaged when it comes to things like elective surgeries and the primary health care that they'll need. So the budget allows a lot more of those services to be delivered 
our challenge, both mine, John, and my Māori ministerial colleagues, as well as those across DHBs, is to make sure that the equity issues we're all well aware of are addressed and our people don't suffer any disadvantage in light of COVID-19. Uh, Minita, I'll, I'll stay with you with this question, but I'll also really be really interested to get John's perspective as well. It's a key priority in regards to the funds and the approach moving forward to address equity. But what we've experienced, and whānau God, we've had doctors, nurses, people right across, all across the front line in various levels, talk about all the good things, the new ways of operating, different ways that were the standard before that have really helped and been effective when it comes to treating and looking after our people. Uh, what have been, from your perspective and your position, uh, things that you've seen or the feedback that you've been getting that you would like to see become part of normal activity when it comes to looking after our people? Yeah, look, um, I'm fortunate as well to be the Minister for Whānau Water. And we know that Whānau Water and Hauora Māori uh, aren't separate. They're mm. one and the same in the eyes of our people. So what mm. we've noticed um, is the ability for Whānau Water to respond not only provide healthcare services, because many of the whānau water provider network are already Māori health providers, but also to provide the wraparound service. And the example I'll use is, I spoke to Dr. Chris Tooley from Te Puna Ora o Mātātua. And while they're primarily registered as a PHO health provider, their ability to get into areas like Ruatoki, Tāneatua, and to provide not just uh, vaccinations for flu, uh, ha initial health services and health assessments, but also the wraparound service that Farno Water provides has been instrumental in keeping those communities safe. And it's that that I'd like to see really continue into the future, Te Arahi. Uh, like I say, in the eyes of Māori, Farno Water includes health. So if we can continue to marry up those really great services that our people have experienced and continue to grow those, I don't want a moment. So we just had a little bit of technical difficulties toward the end of that conversation, but do you get um, uh, what you're saying around whānau water and how important it is in all aspects, including health, to look after our whānau. Uh, John, from the Ministry of Health's perspective, um, it's been really, really interesting seeing some of the statistics, which all paint a positive picture in regards to the various communities, especially the ones at the beginning of a lockdown that we're probably pegged as being most high risk, South Auckland, uh, Taitokero, uh, East Coast, whether they're remote or urban areas with high concentration of Māori, um, they've all done extremely well. So obviously what you guys have put in place and what the whole country has done has been working. Um, are there any kind of aspects of um, what's happened, the main kind of drivers for uh, to keeping our people safe within those communities and across the country that you would hope would be uh, looked at to be becoming part of normal um, service and normal care uh, as we move uh, through the long tail uh, of uh, COVID-19 and beyond? Oh, look, absolutely. I think just to support the Minister's point, because uh, I've had discussions too with uh, Chris Tawley at Te Punoro Mātātua, um, that ability to mobilise and send services out into our communities and help address access issues, that's really important. And I think that's something we would continue on. Secondly, 
um, is the work we've been doing to engage with iwi and maori themselves including the whanau water commissioning agencies and i'm certainly really supportive of the funding that's been put aside for the whanau water commissioning agencies because i see the needs of our whanau the broad needs of our whanau really increasing post-covid the last area which i think is really important to to not lose sight of is a is an absolute benefit is the ability has been the ability to utilize technology and to be able to get um, health uh, services virtually mm. uh, and i think that's really important it's a really important mechanism to be able to address both physical uh, and financial access barriers to access so i think uh, as i said i'd support the minister's um, um, view around the the need to continue to mobilize services alongside that i think they're working across with maori themselves including the final order commissioning agencies and that last area that use of technology and uh, virtual consultation um, as a means to help address um, physical and financial barriers to access oh boy um john one uh, of the key comms messages that has come out from the very beginning was to protect and look after our kaumatua and kuia They've been the ones that have been most at risk throughout this process. Uh, yeah. Does that continue to be right at the centre of a lot of the ideas around the protection of Dewi um, Māori, but in particular that uh, demographic? And it might be, uh, is this a time where, uh, if we're thinking about things like Tangihanga Whai Kōrero and things like that, is this, uh, from your guys' perspective, possibly an opportunity as well for... I guess the next generation to come through to take a little bit more ownership and responsibility of their areas, which will then um, help the protection and, and the well-being and, and care for our kaumata. Yes, uh, yes. I think um, a couple of things there. One is we've obviously got to do it with our our uh, our kaumata, our kui and our karaua. But I'll give you an example. I was engaging with a marae um, earlier last week about how the new guidelines would work. One of the things they said to me was that they were going to make sure in terms of the cultural uh, overlay of any tangihanga process on the marae, that they would do two things um, to protect their kaumatua. First of all, they were going to limit the number of their kaumatua who were going to participate, but they talked with their kaumatua about that and got agreement. The second thing was minimising the contact between their kaumatua and both the kirimate and uh, Tupapaku, as well as the manuhiri coming on. So I think it's it's important that we remain vigilant around those of our people who are most at risk, not only our elders, but those with chronic conditions and those who've got respiratory illnesses, mm. for instance. But we've got to do it in a way that works with them um, uh, and, and in a way where they understand that what we're doing there is we're not penalising our elders. We're trying to find ways to return to more of our cultural practice, but do it in a way that's safe. Um, and certainly the marae I was talking about, I think they found a really good middle ground and worked and got really good support from their kaumatua. Kapai. Uh, Mr Henare, uh, with the budget, uh, there was a significant um, portion of that budget that was set aside to assist Māori. Uh, and as we all know in regards to um, the impact uh, that COVID-19 isn't just a health thing, it, it's, it's, it's everything from our economics, uh, how we live, how we travel, and all those things. Um, one thing you've said is around, it's an opportunity for iwi job opportunities. Well, that's a priority. Uh, but what, what does that look like? Yeah, that's a really good question, uh, Te Arahi. Lots of people are still trying to work out uh, what that means for them. And I can tell you that the work that's being done collaboratively 
with iwi and community has been really important to shape what uh, those job opportunities and um, and apprenticeships etc look like uh, there have been lots of calls for the kind of trades training days that saw our fathers and mothers come through a really effective system that worked for them i know that a number of iwi are keen to do that um, and the strength of doing something like that uh, tiarahi as you know isn't necessarily just the trade and what they learn, but it's actually the pastoral care that they're able to give our young people as they go on that journey. And that can only be done in partnership with the likes of iwi, with the likes of community and others. So um, in terms of jobs for our whanau, obviously for those who can step straight into jobs, we're there to support and there are a number of projects uh, around infrastructure uh, that can support that. However, there are a number of our whanau who will find themselves um, having lost their job and those jobs not coming back. Mm -hmm. So there's an opportunity here to upskill, to get our whānau into other areas of work. And I want to make this clear to whānau too. Um, I know there's a fear that, you know, uh, there's some rhetoric that says we don't want to go back to just being uh, labourers and manufacturers. And I think given the budget announcement, there are a number of opportunities here that can actually help our people lift their prospects and lift their job prospects higher and um, you know we'll continue to work on that uh, we when the budget was announced there's still ongoing work to be had with iwi mm. with industry uh, to make sure that we target and we get it right for our farmer there are just a couple more things i do want to ask you about because they're really relevant to our people and within the context of this kaupapa uh first of all the 200 million dollars employment package um who managed the distribution of that funding uh, and what from the government's expectations uh, that mainly support? Yeah, um, look, that money is um, at the moment for now centrally held with um, the likes of MB and the likes of the Ministry of Social Development. But as I said, uh, Te Arahi, it's about partnership in a post-COVID world. Um, I think uh, there are often thoughts that every, all the powers shifted back to the central position. Um, that's certainly not the... Um, uh, desire for the Minister of Employment, who's really keen to get community to drive these initiatives for themselves. So at the moment, Tarahi, that money is managed centrally uh, until we can partner correctly and get the right formula settings uh, to ensure that our whanau are the first ones to benefit from such announcements. Uh, just before we shift to the next one, the uh, the 200 million for Kohanga Reo is another great kaupapa. And I think the point I want to make there is. We'll just, so we'll come back to the minister on that um, on that point around Kohanga Reo. Uh, again, just a little bit of technical difficulties with our internet. Uh, John, I'll, I'll come back to you sorry, with a couple of questions. And this is on a wider basis around us moving forward um, level two and as restrictions start to become a little uh, uh, loosened locally. Um, our borders though are still in lockdown. Uh, so what are the measures, the main measures uh, to keep the virus at bay and catching those coming into, or who eventually be coming into the country? Yeah, I think one of them you just mentioned there, which is border control, obviously. That's how the um, virus originally got here, got here from overseas. So we're going to have to be very vigilant, particularly uh, in an environment where we don't have a vaccine. Uh, that's going to be a critical measure moving forward. Um, surveillance planning and testing. Um, 
and that'll be going on for some months, both in terms of keeping a general eye on how things are doing, responding to uh, where there are potentially outbreaks or infection. That's why contact tracing is really important. Um, and also uh, looking at whether or not, um, depending on circumstances, we need to have sentinel testing, for instance, where we're testing in communities or high risk areas where we're worried that there may be latent infection. So those things are going to be the main things. Uh, keeping our borders really strong, um, making sure that we've got good active surveillance, responding really quickly, that's where contact tracing is really good. And I think the other big thing, general hygiene. Mm. I know people are emotionally sick of someone like myself saying, wash your hands properly, but that is absolutely the number one way we can keep infections like this at bay. It's such a simple message, but the, the way that you get a sense that it's urgent because that message has never changed and every single person at every level keeps on repeating that. So, um, and so just before I go back to the minister, um, the mandatory 14 day quarantine um, uh, from people coming back from, uh, from overseas, and I guess we're, we're in then the context of what we're talking about now, once the borders start opening, I imagine there would be people returning home as the initial yeah. ones, but does that seem to be a lock? Uh, for the foreseeable future that that will be in place around our border controls? Absolutely, it would be one of the measures. As I said, we've got a, the country's done really well in the last six to eight weeks. The whole country stepped up to give us a really great opportunity to one, limit the impact of this and two, get it to a stage where it's manageable. So we can't lose that. Um, and we've got to keep uh, focused on that and making sure that it's really good. It's not about trying to discriminate against anyone coming into the country, including our own citizens. But as I said, I look at it this way. We've got uh, four million people who've stepped up to the mark in the last six to eight weeks to do uh, an awesome thing for our country mm -hmm. to put us in a much better position. You know, when, when you think to two months ago, there were very dire projections of what we might face. So what, whatever we do moving forward, we cannot lose the, the great opportunity that New Zealand does that as, as a whole have given us. Good point. Uh, Minister, I'll go back to you now. So you were talking about, uh, we're talking about the uh, employment, but you wanted to make special mention about the Kohanga Reo budget and, and the positives that are centered, centered around that for, uh, for Te Ewi Māori. Most definitely. Um, look, Kohanga Reo is about whānau. It always has been whānau and te reo Māori. And my, what I'd like to say to the people out there is actually we can't look at these budget announcements in, in, in silos. Um, they're all connected. A healthy mm. kohanga reo in a community is a healthy community. Uh, a healthy sports and activity in that community is a good thing. So there was an announcement to look at how we regrow grassroots sports amongst our people. And the same again with whānau water. Uh, but as a tamaiti of kohanga reo, you and me both, uh, I'm super proud, super proud that now our whānau and our kaupapa gets the kind of support that they've been longing for. Pai. Pai katoa tēnā. Uh, e Kamatu i runga i ngā tuāwhuatanga o uh, ngā moni, ngā pūte ko, ko horahia uh, ki tēnā ki tēnā. Um, you made mention at the beginning of the show around whānau ora. I, I won't really bother about the actual figure itself, but what are your expectations over and above what we've seen and the positives that have come out from whānau ora? What do you want with the, with the money that's been allocated towards, the additional funding towards whānau ora that you want to see improve, get better, or from what we've learned through COVID-19 that needs to be a part of, of, of Fano Order moving forward. Yeah, while I'm proud of the announcement made the other day, Te Arahi, we can't become complacent as a minister. 
My job is to continue to push the kaupapa, so we'll continue to do that. My expectation for whānau water is that um, in the post-COVID world, the kinds of needs of our families will be more complex. Uh, we're now stepping into the space of training, upskilling, how we're connecting our people to the job markets. These weren't traditionally the roles of our navigators in whānau water. Now, the role must evolve, so too mm -hmm. the service, because of the needs of our whānau. So I'm really keen to support the likes of uh, the commissioning agencies and whānau water providers and making sure that one, the provider has the resources and tools to meet the needs of our family, and two, our families, wherever they may be, will get the support that they deserve. You've got a hangi waiting for you there, Penny. I'm sure, John, you've got some delicious dinner that you need to get to. So we'll keep this as our last question for this kaupapa. You know, the two of you in particular and all your cohorts, all the people associated with you, what we've been asking you, how are you helping us? How are you going to protect us? How are you looking after us? I want to ask you both as individuals and within your own mirumiru and your own whānau, because you've been living this just as much as we have, how have you been? How are you at this point? And uh, when are you going to get a holiday and a break? John, I might start with you first. Oh, look, um, yes, it's, it's been pretty busy. And um, I've got, actually, I've got a whole a work team here telling me that I need to take some time off, which is good. Um, I, although I'm told by my family who've been locked down for most of the last months, I'm, I'm the lucky one who's been able to get out and about. It has been challenging, but I have to say it's also been um, humbling. It's been really humbling to see the response and it's been really humbling uh, to see what we can do to support our people out there doing great things. So, yeah, it has been challenging, but, you know, that's this is the kind of work I think we all live for. This, this is the kind of work our, our those who raised us said we should be doing. There's nothing greater than service for others. So, um, kia ora. Yeah, look, um, without the likes of John, my job would be even harder. Uh, John and his team have done a... And it's not just his team telling him to have a holiday, it's also his minister telling him to have a holiday. <laughs> um, for myself, the whānau are safe, and that's, that's all I can ask for, is that my whānau and all of the whānau out there continue to keep safe, and we're proud that um, as a whānau, we've managed to um, come through this... Not Not... We've, we've had we've lost people on the journey. We have, and there are still some mamai there. Uh, but we'll continue forward as a whānau and continue to look after each other. And as the alert levels go through, I'm looking forward to catching up with as many of them as possible. Uh, that is Minister Penny Henare and also uh, John Fanga, being two very instrumental uh, people uh, in the strategy and the implementation. Uh, and in the guidance um, of all of us, not just Māori, but within the entire country. Nō rere, mihi ana kia, kia raiwa tahi, uh, me a raiwa kaimahi. Uh, I tutuki pai, tainua ki tēnei wā, um, uh, ngā mahi, hei kauawhi, hei noho haumaru a tātou katoa. Nō rere, hoa mā, kua ea ngā te wāhanga kōrero, 
There you go, is the Facebook page. Please join us, follow us on Facebook so you can keep up to date with all the latest information around COVID-19. As mentioned before, all the four district health boards in the Auckland metro area, including Auckland, uh, counties Manukau, Northland and Waitemata, included the Ministry of Health, all coming together to bring the whānau guide for COVID-19 to help you, your whānau and your community and helping all of us get through. Nō reira huama, ka hoki mai anō mātou a tērā rātapu. Nō reira mō te roanga ke o tēnei wiki, ka nō haumaru tonu rā koutou, i rotu o koutou kāinga, me o koutou wāhi mahi maha. Pai mārira kia tātou katoa. If you have a scheduled surgery or appointment, please go to it. You will be safe. Nā Te Puni Kōkiri e Pūtea Tautoko, made with support from Te Puni Kōkiri. Nā Pūoro Jerome, ngā reo Pūoro. Soundtracks from Pūoro Jerome.